Welcome to the You May Be Right Podcast, part of Elite Sports Radio, the place where New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox fans can't stand one another. Or maybe they can. about what is about to happen because apparently the Red Sox winning the World Series wasn't enough. New Englanders needed more reasons to uh, keep drinking and punching themselves in the face, <laughs> punching their <laughs> friends in the face. And proud of it. Uh, Paulie D, if you want to cut your Super Bowl victory promo, now's the time. Oh, man, they did it again. Um, the Patriots probably the uh, maybe the greatest football dynasty. Blah, I think blah, blah. The Same greatest Patriots football dynasty of our generation. You know, I will say that a lot of people didn't find the game very entertaining. I'm sorry, but I think Ray Ratto for Deadspin, and great pickup for Deadspin. He's an amazing writer, and, uh, and you know he's got an amazing resume behind him. Um, you know He said it best when he said, Bill Belichick isn't here to entertain you. He builds his teams to win, and they did in grind-out fashion in Super Bowl 53. They really did, because uh, people are going on and on. Oh, the game was boring. There, there wasn't a lot to write home about. Uh, it was a low-scoring game, lowest scoring, I think, in Super Bowl history. I thought the game was a defensive masterpiece. Yeah, they pits, uh, it was like watching a watching a crafty veteran pitcher, you know, just spool another gem over eight innings. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, watching Mike Mussina and, let's say, uh, in his prime, Derek Lowe, just right. like matching each other inning for inning. Right, it was like, it was like watching Mike Mussina's performance uh, in Game 7 in 2003 when he comes in with the bases loaded. Yeah. How is he going to get out of this? Mike Mussina pitching against himself. How is he exactly? How is he going <laughs> to get out of this? And he just does. Yeah, because like, I, I fully expected New England to come out and just destroy the Rams 42-10. to Because uh, don't get me wrong, I love the, watching the Rams all season. Jared Goff uh, put the team on his back towards the end with Todd Gurley's knee acting up. Right. Clearly it was still acting up in the Super Bowl. But I, my, my thinking was this is such a young team on the offensive uh, side of the field. Like, they're going to like walk headfirst into this defense that has been playing together for years. Right. And sure enough, that's what happened. Yeah, it seemed like uh, on, the, on the biggest stage they finally really coalesced and put together – you know, four really complete quarters, and, yeah. and they they just did a great job. Yeah, because like everything that the Rams lacked on offense, they more than made up for on defense. They made it a game. Uh, it's and it's like I, I was saying as we were uh, walking into the studio, Belichick is on notice right now. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, Gronk. We don't know if he's going to be back next year. I mean, he was. A, I, there were there were times when I thought he wouldn't make the next play um in the Chiefs game and you know and there were times when you when you watch him walking to or from the huddle and you're and you're wondering you know you're wondering to yourself how much how much time really should this guy have left well yeah because he's also a big guy and it's just science if you are a larger individual like be it from height or weight your body breaks down faster right and Gronkowski says on Fallon uh later you know I I meant to make it here for Monday but I was a little banged up and couldn't, and it's a joke, and everybody laughed. Yeah, but it's reality. 
the game really does wear you down. And, yeah. And Rob Gronkowski's been through a lot. But and also on top of that, Tom Brady, he's over forty now. Right. Now, now granted, he he takes really good care of himself. Apparently, eighty percent of his diet is vegetables. Yeah. I mean, look, he's gonna shoot up beet juice uh, and uh, you know and play till he's one hundred ninety. The yeah. point is like because Belichick run, not only runs the team, he runs the front office. Of course. Uh, so. I think that right now he has to start thinking, okay, how much longer do I want to coach? When when is McDaniel's going to have that the reins handed over? Um, because Brady can't QB forever, and that's why I think next year you're going to see a lot more Sonny Michelle. I mean, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. He'll be a top five running back. I, I don't know if he's going to be a top five running back. I think he's going to be. A, I think he's going to be the guy. I think he's going to be the guy in New England next year. Yeah. Uh, the way Bill Belichick goes through running backs, you know, it's hard to say how long he's going to be. You know, even with the team sometimes, but uh, but I think definitely think he's at least going to be the guy going into training camp, at least going to be the guy going into September and October, and we'll see if he can if he can carry the load because I think he's going to have to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, folks, we have uh, a big show for you today. Uh, we've got rule changes, free agency, and in uh, lots a, of fun. Yeah, but in a in a rare uh, segue, this is going to be kicked off. With some basketball, Paul E.D. A, a little basketball from Jason. And just for the record, this is this is You May Be Right with Paul E.D. and J.B. Uh, I should have said that from the beginning. But. Sure, sure, sure. From Jason Gay at the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the New York Knicks, uh, otherwise known as an, as an experimental off-Broadway comedy troupe based in <laughs> Madison Square Garden. Let, let, let me set the stage here, folks, <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I set the 20-minute timer, because we need a lot of time to talk about this. Yeah. Last week, the New York Knicks make headlines when they trade the unicorn people who... Guys, that they thought he was the star player, Kristaps Porzingis is now on the Dallas Mavericks. Joining him there are the cap-heavy contracts of Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. The Knicks get back from Dallas two first-round picks, DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr., and Wesley Matthews. And Wesley Matthews, uh, the Knicks bought out his contract yesterday because he's going to go sign with the Pacers. Going to get more playing time on a playoff team. Right. Um... Now, oh man, have my feelings yo-yoed on this from start to finish, Paul? You know, it's it, it's been a it's it seems to have been a really drama-heavy uh, series of events that seems, upon closer inspection, to lack a lot of the, the drama it seemed to have. Yeah, the, the the feelings in the elite sports NY Slack chat amongst the Knicks team, right? Our wonderful uh, our wonderful founder and uh, editor of this show, Rob, Rob Sabo. He, um, I hope I pronounced that right. He, um. He uh, was angry about it because at first the, the the draft picks weren't reported. It was just straight up like Porzingis was a salary cap mule, as Michael Kay said. Right. And I and I too was appalled because once again, Knicks were the laughing stock of the NBA. How do you build a contender when the guy who you think is going to be your key selling point sure. once free agency hits, he wants out? Right. Now let's pump the brakes here. Uh, the story came out that Porzingis said he'd prefer to be traded. An hour later. He's on the Mavericks. Sure, there's and it Al- feels like it, it feels like a temper tantrum. It feels like a it feels like he he threw a temper tantrum and in demanded to be traded, and then the Knicks folded, and that might not be entirely the case. That is absolutely not the case because on on uh, that same day, a uh, longtime Knicks insider Alan Hahn appeared on the Michael K show, which we're going to be go- uh, talking about a lot. I found myself watching a lot of K uh, right. last week. Well, you know, he, he's, I mean, he dominates the New York sports radio uh, scene. You know, yeah, he really does. 
Uh, sorry, Francesa. <laughs> but uh, Alan Hahn, he appears on the show that same day, and he he says, no, that didn't happen. The, uh, the Knicks had been fielding offers for KP for months. Right. There's no way that the story of him asking for a trade dropped and the deal was made within the Dallas Mavericks within an hour. That's just too coincidental, considering how the Mavericks had played the Knicks the previous day. Yeah. Um, so they they were entertaining multiple offers and were playing it close to a chest, close to the chest, so that they, they didn't lose any you know leverage in negotiations. Uh, now regarding KP, um, I say goodbye and good riddance. You know, look, I, I I think if somebody doesn't want to play on your team, uh, you owe it to your team to get rid of that player, and you owe it to your team, you owe it to your organization to get the best haul you can for him in return. Yeah, um, Steve Mills he said exactly that because he because he and Scott Perry had a conference call, I believe, the same day, and uh, one or both of them basically said. Um, it doesn't make sense for us to offer a max contract to somebody who doesn't want to be here. Yeah, it doesn't even want, doesn't even want to play for you. So why yeah. would you offer him any money? Yeah, you should probably go because, play somewhere else because then you're because then you're opening up you know a J.R. Smith situation where one year he went he dominates for the Knicks, wins Sixth Man of the Year, gets paid that off season, and then takes every playoff. I mean, he he also says you know Porzingis also mentioned that he was gonna you know he's gonna finish up his rehab in Europe. He was gonna just leave the team, and that's that's just unacceptable. I think. Well, I'm going to side with Porzingis on that one because I feel I feel that players, regardless of like what team they play for, what their contract status is, I think that they should have a little control over their own rehab. I mean, be that as it may, it seems like in the context of everything else that's going on, Porzingis is saying, "I'll go and sit in Europe until you figure this out." But I'm never. It felt it it it, it implied. That he said, "I'm never playing foot playing for the Knicks ever again." And I can't. And at the same time, I can't fault him entirely for that because he's drafted with the, I think the third or fourth overall pick, right? In 2015, everyone boos him because they don't know where he is. I was actually, uh, they don't know who he is. I was actually excited about the pick. Um, and then it's the whole Phil Jackson roller coaster. Yep. The, um, the experiment, the, the Phil Jackson experiment. The Phil Jackson, it sounds like a failed, bad. The failed Phil Jackson experiment. It sounds like a bad jam band. And then there's the whole drama with Carmelo Anthony, yeah. and, then, and then Porzingis he he skips his exit interview. It's, I mean Han that Han then added uh, he, after that uh, he talked to KP and his brother Giannis who serves as his agent, and basically said something like, "Hey, skipping the exit interview that's not a good look. You really can't be acting like that, especially on a rookie contract." And there and apparently Giannis jumped in like, "What the hell do you know?" Yeah. You know, who are you? And, and Han was like, "I've been here all my life. You right. just got here. Right? You've been here like for what ten minutes? Right? I'm a lifer, and you and you and you are, are very new. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, though, like while I understand Porzingis' frustrations, it was it's not a good look on his part. He has he's talented, but he's been injury prone his entire career, aside from the ACL. Right. And the Knicks were in a position where they had to do what was best for them, and they knew that. Asking for draft picks was a tall order. Thankfully, the the Mavericks were willing to pay that. But I think they also said, "Look, we'll we'll give you our guy because we know he can play." Yeah. But you also have to take Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, these two heavy contracts. Sure. And in doing so, the Knicks they they really set themselves up for for a possible big free agency summer. Grab your popcorn. Because now they have over seventy million dollars in cap space to offer. That means they can add two max free agents. Kevin Durant's going to be out there. Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Clay Thompson. It's the summer of K's. Sure. Um, and I could I could talk about this for hours and hours, but I'm going to sum it up like this. The Knicks now have more money than God come July, 
And on top of that, they're going to have a top three pick in all likelihood. Because, like, uh, the way that the the draft works this year, tanking is only going to get you so far. The three worst teams in the league get it, have a 14% chance of landing that top pick. Ooh, and on top of a heck of a gamble. And on top of that, though, if you are the worst team in the league and you lose out on those odds, it's okay. The lowest you can fall in the order is fifth. Not bad. That's really not bad at not all. Not terrible. And I, know, and I know that we're saying, oh, Zion Williams and this, Zion Williams and that. It still puts you in a great position for R.J. Barrett, right. uh, Cam Reddish, if you, if you feel so inclined, John Morant. For any number of organization building or team building players. But now just think of the negotiating position that the Knicks are in as a result. They have that likely top three pick. Right. But then they also have Kevin Knox. Right. They have Mitchell Robinson, Alonzo right. Trier. They have so much great young talent. Right. And a well-respected coach. In David Fisdale. Right. Those are key selling points. I mean, the way the way I see it, Scott Perry, he could take a meeting with Durant or Kyrie and say, okay, we're going to give you this much money. Who do you want to play with so that we, they, we can offer them at or around the same? On paper, the Knicks should be able to put together a contender. Yeah. On paper, they should yes. be able to put together a contender. That said... Will they be able to? I'm not so sure. The Knicks, as an organization, have been so notoriously dysfunctional over the years that I'm not sure it all just doesn't get mucked up again. Uh, I'm inclined to agree, uh, just because they, it's the Knicks. It is. I mean, it, 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 it's I, the Knicks. I always joke, why should I go to the circus when I can just read about the New York Knicks? I mean, it's there. There's there's organization wide issues that they have to address. Now, and it's and it's beyond. And I think it's beyond who's on the floor and who's in, you know and who's and who's stomping around on the sidelines. I think it. I think it goes higher than that. Yeah, and that being said, I don't expect the Knicks to land uh, to to like absolutely rake in free agency. Durant, he'd be nice. Same with Kyrie Irving. I don't think it's going to be either of them. I think that Kyrie may may be interested in going back to Los Angeles to play with LeBron. I think you know. I think he's Durant got, may be the same. I think I don't know. I think they've got their eyes on further rings, and they want to go wherever they can go to make sure they get as many rings yeah. as possible. And, and and I'm not sure that the Knicks are it right now. Even if look, even if they could put together a like a great one year, you know, yeah. even a one year only contender. Uh, yeah. Next year, I'm not sure that they're you know that they they'd even be able to be built for the long term. Yeah, because because Durant, the way I see it, Durant has his rings. Like he doesn't, he's got those. I mean, but, but, anything else, anything anything else he does the rest of his career is is gravy. Right. No, he's he's proven. You know, he's he's yeah. he's got a place in 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 basketball history as far yeah, as yeah, and, and and even and the Knicks that could say, oh, come save the franchise, so that even if they don't win a title, the Knicks will be a fun place to go play again. And and if they strike out in free agency, they they can't utilize all that cap space. Great, they can trade for cap space. They have so many draft picks right now. They could trade for a Damian Lillard. They could trade for an Anthony Davis. And that being said, where do the Celtics stand in all this? Well, I mean, the Celtics are. I think the Celtics stand right now at thirty five and nineteen. It might be thirty five and twenty now. Uh, but um, the Celtics have been up and down over the uh, over the season and and taking kind of taking front uh, taking center stage is Kyrie Irving in a lot of ways and more more specifically um, taking center stage is the things Kyrie Irving has said. Uh, he said a number of things, both on his own free agency and addressing other players and his role within the Celtics, uh, that have 
you know, caused you know, caused some raised eyebrows. Uh, you know, at, in for the t- record, the Celtics are thirty-five and twenty-six games out of the top spot in the they, East. They, right. So the, they're the preseason favorites to win the East. They're about. Th- I think they're. I still. I think they're third in the Eastern Conference now. Um, you know, it, in October of this year, uh, in October last year, you know, Kyrie Irving assured the press, "I plan on re-signing with the Celtics. I have every intention of re-signing in Boston." Then a little bit later in November, yeah, but we need to add a veteran player. You know, we don't have enough pieces quite yet right now. We need to add we need to add somebody with 14, 15 years of experience, he said, to kind of help tell these younger players what it's like to play through the playoffs and for a title. Okay, I understand. It's a little strange. Kind of sounds like you're throwing the younger players under the bus, but I understand. And I understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, on, uh, in, Jan- in early January, he calls out some of his younger teammates um, after after one after one game and in and uh, in mid January he uh, he admits that he called LeBron for leadership advice on how to lead younger players through the playoffs into a championship um, and then most recently in the full quote is at the end of the day I'm gonna I, do I don't know anybody at the end of the day I'm gonna do what's best for my career I spent the last eight years trying to do what everybody else wanted me to do managers other personnel. And I don't owe, and I don't owe anybody bleep. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we stand on on Kyrie Irving. Will he or won't he resign? We don't know. More to the point, will they actually be able to compete for for a title? I think that I think I still believe that they can win the Eastern Conference easily. I yeah. th- I mean I think I think they're at least one of the favorites to win that the the Eastern. I mean they are one of the favorites to win the Eastern Conference, and I think they'll come out with it in the end. But I don't think all, all, all in all, I don't think all this, all this Kyrie, Willie, Roney, you know, uh, you know, his, his maybe, his maybe, his maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't beef with Jason Tatum. I don't, I don't, and it's not. I mean, you can't even really call it a beef. But the, the, you know, the, the, the exchanges they've had back and forth with him and between the younger players, the shoving and the huddle during the games. I don't think it really matters. It's all window dressing because the Warriors are five. The Warriors are five to fourteen to win the title. I don't think anybody unseats the Warriors this year. And if you're worried about winning a winning an NBA championship this year. I mean, I, I don't think you can really get all that excited about the Celtics. Maybe they'll compete for one, but ultimately I think the Warriors are going to come out with it. Yeah, um, the Warriors are they're untouchable. I mean, I think that they've got an uphill battle in terms of whoever they face in the East this year. Right. But I think when push comes to shove, they're just going to do that Warriors magic. I mean, you get, you have to put up fourteen to win five if you bet the Warriors right now, which is yeah. pretty crazy. They're they're prohibitive favorites, and I'm not saying that gamblers know everything about who's going to win which sporting event. But what I am saying is that, I mean, they're they're obvious. It, look at what's happening on the court; they're obviously prohibitive favorites. I think it's best almost to wait a year to see if the Fellowship of the Rings, that's what I'm going to call the Warriors right now, uh, the Fellowship of the Rings actually breaks up. Does, you know, KD go go elsewhere? Does Clay Thompson move elsewhere? Does the does the kind of dynasty kind of cease to be the dynasty it was on its own? And and sitting in the middle of all this is Anthony Davis. Because right. the Celtics, I mean, they've shown interest in him. Right. I mean, there's a clause in the CBA that they, they can't trade for him now. Right. Because to do so, they'd also have to give up Kyrie. Ainge telling Ainge recently telling the Pelicans to wait, quote unquote, on Anthony Davis. Obviously, you know because he he wants still wants to keep that iron in the fire because he wants to see if he can get him. If he could resign Kyrie Irving and he could add Anthony Davis, I mean now then you're t- then you're potentially talking 
titles, which is what Boston fans really want to see. We want to see titles. And that being said, Kyrie Irving should be Boston's top priority at this point. I the, think the, I, I the, think so, too. And they're also high on AD. The problem is to get him, they're likely going to have to trade away Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and draft picks, and that because there's going to be so much money, it has to be a sign and trade. Well, I mean, but right? then, I don't know. I mean, you know, who know who knows what it's going to take to you know who knows what it's going to take to 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 ply Anthony Davis away from the Pelicans. Uh, and the other thing is, does Anthony Davis even want to play for the Celtics? Well, yeah, because apparently his his top three choices are the Lakers, uh, the Knicks, and the Milwaukee Bucks, which makes sense because the Bucks have a great young team, right? Um, and but I think the wild card in all this is Kevin Durant. Because I think that Kyrie isn't going to resign until Durant makes a decision. Word has it, both guys are intrigued by the Knicks. And now with Kyrie, it makes sense. He's from New Jersey. Um, you he's got, wish. He's got ties to the area. You wish this could happen, JB. I know. Like I said, I don't expect any of it to happen. <laughs> uh, now, as for Durant, his agent, Rich Kleiman? Kleiman? I, I, can't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Kleiman? Yeah. Is, well, his agent is from New York. And here's the, here's the real twist. Most agents have a roster. Durant's agent only has him as a client, and they're thick as thieves. Great right. friends. Now, what if they meet with the Knicks and they do a little quid pro quo? Durant signs with the Knicks, and get, and the Knicks give Kleiman a job. Oh, we're getting into tinfoil hat territory, JB. Uh, there's tampering <laughs> happening all over the league, and anyone who says otherwise is kidding themselves. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I think it's been obvious since since LeBron almost single handedly engineers the my you know the, those Miami Heat teams. You know that the that players are agreeing where they want to go and who they want to play for, and they want to try to win multiple rings together. Yeah. As it's groups. all it, it almost makes uh, makes coaches like Brad Stevens irrelevant. I mean, can Brad? My question for Brad Stevens is: in in Brad Stevens Celtics team last year reminded reminded me a lot of his Butler teams uh, while he coached in the NCAA. Well, he had a star when he was at Butler. Yeah, he, he had uh, Gordon Hayward. He had Gordon Hayward, but Gordon Hayward when he was in college was not a highly touted. Was not as highly touted a recruit as say somebody like Kemba Walker. Well, yeah, but yeah, but because that because he was able to go up against Kemba Walker, that upped his draft stock. I mean, and look at the team surrounding Gordon Hayward at Butler versus some of the other teams that were around the NCAA okay, so, at that so, time. So you had Shelvin Mack, you right. had uh, the late great Andrew Smith, uh, rest in peace. Um, there's somebody else uh, who I'm forgetting. Um, they reminded anyway. me. They reminded me. The Butler teams were. They, they were teams that had no business getting to the Final Four. They were scrappy overachievers, right? Sure. And that's what that's what Brad Stevens' Celtics looked like to me last year. And a lot of people were really, I think a lot of people were really happy with that. And, we, you know, uh, it, but, the, but the, issue, it, the issue becomes when you're coming up against teams like the Warriors, you know, can a team of scrappy overachievers actually win? And against this Warriors team is presently constituted, I don't think the answer is yes. The answer is absolutely not. The fellowship of the rings has got to break up. You've you've got that dynasty has got to go away. Yeah, because um because Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant they're both free agents at the end of the season. Demarcus Boogie Cousins is a free agent right. after taking a one year flyer while he uh rest while he recovered from his Achilles uh, injury. Right. Steph Curry is, is currently on the richest extension in league history. And then there's Draymond Green who uh, who is pro- probably already has a foot out the door. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's against the against the Warriors dynasty. It's it's funny, you know, some some teams kind of lean into it and try to beat them and some teams kind of it's it's funny to watch how some teams kind of try to avoid dynasties like this. You know, they try to go the other way and say, "All right, well, well, well let's just wait it out." 
let's see how long it could last. And I don't personally, I don't think this one's going to last forever, especially given the state of free agency next year. Yeah, because like with all this new TV money coming in, revenues are higher than ever uh, in basketball, at least. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I will agree. The Warriors party is ending because uh, I think Clay wants to go out on his own and prove that he doesn't need Steph Curry to win. Right. Um, I think that. Durant, look, he. he I don't know what Durant wants. It's hard to it's hard to really pin down exactly what he wants because he seems to have a really seems to have an almost perfect situation in Golden State right now. Yeah, but at the same time, there's nothing more for him to prove there, right? Except except to keep winning. Yeah, the the and also, no, I don't care how good Kevin Durant is. I like I don't care if he break if he breaks a scoring record in one game or if he just goes off for the rest of the season. When push comes to shove. Numbers aside, it's always going to be Steph Curry's team. Yeah, yeah. And Durant, so does Durant he have was, to be the guy? I think he does. Is he going to pull I, a Kyrie Irving and have to be the guy somewhere, and then maybe realize that he doesn't want to be the guy that he liked being the other guy? Because that's kind of that's kind of where Kyrie is. I feel like right I, now. I think that Kyrie it, wanted to be the guy. Now he doesn't want to be I, the guy. Well, look. The good news for the Knicks is that you can add anybody in free agency this year. Any of the big <laughs> any of the big names. Let's say let's say that they only come out with Clay Thompson. That yeah. still vaults them to maybe the four seed in the playoffs, right? Maybe, maybe like uh, but does Clay the, Thompson, the five or the six. But does, you know, but does Clay Thompson want to be dragging a Knicks team into contention? You know, that's you got to you got to think about what Clay Thompson wants. I mean, it, it obviously wasn't what wasn't what Porzingis wanted. Well, Porzingis also didn't like the idea of tanking. I mean, who does? Who likes the idea of losing? Nobody, but like that's the way the process is in the NBA. Right. Maybe now with these new lottery odds uh, that they're tr- that they're trying out this year, things will change. Yeah, he was. Przingis wasn't uh, wasn't what 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 were the what were the words used? He wasn't uh, he he wasn't he wasn't uh, hadn't fully bought into the Knicks' plan for the future. That's a lot of crap. That's what <laughs> I have to say to that. All right, and. Oh my God! There we go. That's 20, it. That was twenty minutes on that. That's a lot of basketball. That is a lot of basketball for us. It's a lot of basketball. It really is, isn't it? All right. So that said, folks, we are going to now. I think we could. How much do we give this? Fifteen minutes? You think? Let's do it. All right. So fifteen minutes. Now we're going back to baseball. Oh thank God! The rules could be changing, Bully Day. A lot of rules. A lot of rules could be changing. Here's the big ones via Jeff Pass and ESPN. Joel Sherman from the New York Post also covered this. So a three batter minimum for pitchers. Here's 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 what's on here's what's on the docket as a possibility. A three batter minimum for pitchers. A universal designated hitter. A single trade deadline before the All Star break. A twenty second pitch clock. The expansion of rosters to twenty six men with a twelve pitcher maximum draft advantages for winning teams and penalties for losing teams a study to lower the mound heaven knows what that means a rule that would allow two sport amateurs to sign major league contracts and spring training in the all-star game as testing ground for a runner on second base to start the 10th what do you love and what do you hate jb all right well real 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 quick um i I hate the idea of lowering the mound. That just seems pointless. I mean, the, the the offenses are supercharged enough as it is. We're almost scoring as many runs as in the steroid era right now. Why do we need to score more again? Exactly. Apparently, there's also something to limit mound visits. Uh, lower that from six to four. I think that's that's so stupid. How, how are managers supposed to manage? It's not even that. Like there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't a you had the limit this year. There wasn't a grand change. In timing a game, so they're trying to speed up the game. Right. Okay. Great. Um, you, you save what? Maybe five, ten minutes. Sure, if that. 
two sport amateurs sign major league contracts. I think that um, that's a very targeted rule, isn't it? Well, yeah, because like it's all about <laughs> Kyler Murray, who uh, has a, who had uh, I think a four and a half million dollar signing bonus with the Oakland A's. But, I think, I think but then he won the Heisman. Right. I think they're afraid that they're going to lose these two sports stars to other sports if they yeah. can't, if they can't I, I think he should focus on baseball because I think he's too small for the NFL but that's just me I mean it, it, but if they can't if they can't get him to commit at you know to, to some major league money they they feel like the, the kids are going to take the money the kids are going to take the money elsewhere yeah but at the same time that screws somebody already on the 40-man roster right and it might not be the best choice for the kid I think that what you got to do you got to see how the Murray saga plays out and then decide from there how you want to pursue it. I think so, too. Uh, now, in terms of the runner on second to start the 10th inning, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. I it's, hate... That's that's cheating. I, no. hate, I hate it so much because the, the one reason I hate it so much is that Game three of the world of this last World Series was a masterpiece in, on, so yeah. ma- on so many levels. And so if you love baseball, you loved every minute of game three. You loved every from the 13th to the 14th to the 15th. You stayed up for that one, didn't I you? I stayed up till 3 a.m. <laughs> till 3 a.m. My son had been born the day before. Wow. All right. Till 3 a.m. But you so what you want to tell me with this rule, then, if we're going to start every every, you know, every extra inning with. A guy on second base is you want to make sure that game three, that masterpiece, that historic event in the history of baseball never happens again. I don't understand why you want to do that. It's part of the game. It's been part of the game for over 100 years. I don't see why we would tamper with it. And uh, this other thing that is also ridiculous, 20-second pitch clock. That stop blaming the pitchers. I'm agnostic on this one, but I'd hear your reasons. Look, so many times, more often than not, like, the pitcher steps off because the batter steps out of the batter's box. Right. Okay, that's great, but it happens so often. There's actually a rule in place that's saying at the umpire's discretion, the uh, he can call a strike if the batter standing out of the box won't get back in. Right. And 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 uh, it's the same with lowering the mound and extra inning rules. Like this rule's never enforced, but it's a non-factor. Leave the pitch clock alone. Yeah, I I don't understand how much time it's it's going to save. Um, but that said, even if they did put it in. It's it's just a timing issue for the pitcher. That's all it is. All they have to do is get into their sets earlier, pick up their targets a little bit earlier, and get it, you know, and just kind of get everything rolling a little bit earlier. They're they're being a, they're being as they're being as leisurely as the game allows because they can be. It's not that they can't be. It's not that there's going to be some pitchers who are suddenly going to be out of a job because of a 20 second pitch clock, right? I mean, am I crazy on this? I don't know, Paul. A- anyway, but here's one where we actually disagree. The three batter minimum for pitchers. I hate it. I why, hate it. Why do you hate it? I hate it for a bunch of reasons, actually. And the reasons why the first reason I hate it is that it because it because it allows opposing managers to checkmate each other with their lineup choices before knowing obviously knowing the roster, knowing the other manager's roster, obviously before before the first pitch is thrown by by the way they set their lineup. If you know that, you know, that team if the say if the Yankees know that uh, that the Red Sox have a lefty specialist somehow. Somehow we get sure. one. You know, we get a lefty specialist. They can they can engineer their lineup so that that lefty specialist has got to face maximal difficulty in the inning or in the three batters that he has to face. Right. So they know yeah. they're going to bring him in on a lefty. So they always stack two righties behind. Sure. And you know, and they can and what and what that does is that takes away the that takes away the purpose behind that pitcher's that pitcher that pitcher exists to get lefties out 
And that's and that I think that's a fine role for pit for major league pitchers to have. Does that pitcher really exist anymore, though? I mean, I think I think they can, and I think one I think. I think at least in the at least during the Houston series, you know, we saw one pitcher, one batter. You know, you can in 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 big games and you know in playoff games or in or in big in big home series down the stretch or you know you you can see managers playing the matchups that closely and that should be their prerogative to do. And what this rule does is that takes that away from them. It takes as a tool it takes as a tool in the manager's toolbox away from them. And I'm generally against that. Okay, but here's here's my take on it. I'm all for this thing. Think of it as a reverse DH role. P- pitchers, you know, they say, okay, pitchers should be able to hit and take part in every aspect of the game. Wonderful. I think all pitchers, lefty or righty, should be able to get both right and left-handed hitters out with ease. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah. Yeah, but, but it just goes to my next point. The one-out reliever hasn't been around for a while now. There's no more Mike Myers. There's no more Arthur Rhodes. Th- those guys are gone. Like... We'll even throw Andrew Miller in there as he was basically a, a loogie or a lefty one-out guy before right. he signed with the Yankees in 2015. Right. But as for the increased comebacks that you mentioned, like the it's going to increase the likelihood of seventh and ninth inning comebacks, maybe that's the point. It, cr- it could create more parity. It could just – and that being said, I don't think that this rule is going to be enforceable because what's to stop a pitcher – like uh, let's say the Yankees with Zach Britton. Michael K. used this example. Right. He comes out and to face the lefty, even though he can get righties too. But then uh, Aaron Boone wants to go to Dellen Batances. And then, <clears throat> uh, shout out to the Michael K. Show for this example, by the way. Um, what's to stop Britain or or the coaches from saying to Britain, okay, get the lefty out and then fake an injury so we can go to Batances? Well, I mean, how many times does he have to fake an injury? Does he fake an injury every appearance? Does he have, <laughs> I mean, I, does, he have, I does he have does he have sixty removals for injury? That's absurd. It, it is absurd. Does but he have sixty removals from it, injury in the season? I'm just saying they they need if they're going to have this rule, they need to ha- they need to make it so that it, it can be properly enforced. And here's and here's Britain injured again. I roll. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, you. I, I think you. I think you hit on a great point as as to why probably it needs to be thought through a little bit more. I understand where it comes from, and they don't want the you know the batter on batter on batter on batter pitching changes. Uh, but I also think that it gives an outsized importance to the to the late inning bullpens, and I think that you uniquely advantage advantages the Yankees, and therefore I'm against it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, because let's go- because the, just to put a finer point on it, because the Yankees have the Yankees have a bullpen where any of those guys they've got they have all got closer stuff. They're 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 sixth through ninth inning. They've all got closer stuff. Yeah, right? the, they're all the, gonna. The Yankees have have four guys on their on their in their bullpen who can get saves. They're all gonna start with clean innings, and they're all gonna go for at least at least three batters. Let's face it. Yeah, you know the Yankees easily. are gonna be unfazed by this, but teams that kind of have to cobble it together in the late innings, maybe like yeah. my. Maybe like my Boston Red Sox, need a little bit more massaging to get through the sixth right, and the seventh uh, and the eighth. Mas- massage this, the universal DH. Oh, uh, phase it in. You say I'm, phase I'm, it in. I'm for it, but you got to phase it in because the because the well, NL uh, clubs need time to catch the rosters. Well, up. Th- 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 this wouldn't happen until at the earliest 2022 because right. because the, the current CBA runs through 2021. Right. So yeah, I mean you. So, I, so I think like, you phase it in right now. It, Right now is the time to start talking about it. Yeah, it, but, but as soon as it's agreed on, you need to give the NL teams a little lead time to get their rosters right. Yeah, that's why I think you need to pass that resolution as soon as possible. If with, you're going to do it. Yeah, with the intention of it not taking effect until, let's say, 2022 or beyond. Right, because it, it, it's going to affect their drafts. It's going to affect everything. 
Yeah, I and mean, now that's, that's a that's a bunch of extra jobs. Now I know that a lot of people listening to this right now, namely our good friend Sam Lepresti, our our resident Phillies fan in our friend group. Hey Sam. Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, he uh, he is fully against this. He's he's like uh, the National League. That's how the game's supposed to be played. Who cares? The, the pitchers need to do this. L- let me. All right, Sam, if you're listening, let me drop this on you, and I'm going to be par- largely paraphrasing Don LaGreca. Yeah, this. this is good stuff. Yeah. The National League is literally the only league in the world that still do, that doesn't have the DH. There's, it's not. They don't have pitchers bat in high school, in college, all over the world. The National League what, is the only is the only league that lets the pitchers hit. Surely they 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 don't have the DH in the in the Japanese leagues. They or don't the Korean leagues. They don't. They don't have the DH. No, I mean because because like show uh, they, they do have the DH. They, oh, so they have the DH even internationally. Yeah, uh, the National League is the only league worldwide that does not have the DH anymore. So, so every or, or doesn't even have it. So rather. every league but the National League has the DH. That's correct. And, and yet, because of inter interleague play, why should uh, why should American League pitchers have to risk injury running the bases? Just because the N- the National League won't stop playing granny ball, we saw it last year. Masahiro Tanaka tore like one or both of his hamstrings, tore every hamstring he owned, and was out a month because he had to run the bases against the Mets. Another Yankee, Chin Ming Wong, list Frank injury running the bases in two thousand eight against the Astros ruined his career. Right, you feel? I mean, as as an American, honestly, as an American League team, as a fan of an American League team, you know, you 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 hold your breath when your pitchers are at bat because they yeah. never do. Yeah, and. Why are we glossing over this? This could actually help some National League teams. The Mets have Robinson Cano. Right. They can they can use him more easily, say or Cespedes even. Right. And it it extends careers. Like Jim Tomey is is a perfect case. Now Lagreca had a message to the purists uh, when talking about this, and I'm what I'm going to read right now is me very much paraphrasing what he said. Uh, I get it that there was a distinct that there was a distinct difference between the American League and National League and how the game was played. The umpires, the umpires were even different. Um, I didn't know this. Apparently, uh, back in the day, AL and NL umpires had diff- wore different gear differently. Like like the NL guys, they'd wear the padding, you know, under the jersey or the uniform. Right. But the AL, they kind of had like that big pillow out front. And there's the low strike. The difference between the low strike and yeah, not the low so strike. Yeah. So when you, when you got the rules are so different to the point where both leagues have different strike zones. Sure. Didn't really matter uh, until the World Series. I mean, I grew up saying, "Oh, he's an NL pitcher. He's an AL pitcher." There w- and there was a difference. Yeah. Um, and not only that, like the only difference between both leagues now is the DH. Why fight it? It extends careers, and you're trying to up offense anyway. Except for the occasional, you know, Bartolo Colon homer, it's an automatic out or a sacrifice bunt. Yeah. Why is it still a thing? It doesn't. Why does it make any sense? And it's also also from Lagreca. And the money you're investing in pitchers. Do I want to spend all this money for him to break his ankle rounding second base? Uh, now I do believe these guys should be more athletic. I think it's a joke that Tanaka can't run from third to home and try to get a run and tear both his hamstrings. <laughs> it seems silly, but it exists. Not only that. Like where these pitch counts are policed so heavily, yeah. But oh, go ahead and do something you haven't done in a while, yeah. And not only that, yeah, go ahead and do go ahead and do this thing that you haven't done since you know since rookie ball, maybe. And get this, pitchers in baseball last year in both leagues collectively, they hit one fifteen. Wow, they're so they're so they're all time low. They're great. So why are we still playing by these rules if the pitchers who can hit, and I'm talking Madison Bumgarner, Giovanni Gallardo won a silver slugger, I think, back in the day? Right. These pitchers are so few and far between, why are we still playing by this? Why are we still, like, fighting the DH? And if you're wondering why Game 3 happened the way it did in the World Series, one of the reasons was 
because of the of the bats that had to come out of the lineup for the Boston Red Sox in that game, which weren't which then when they which then when that spot in the lineup came around just weren't there. That game could have been over in the eleventh if JD Martinez had still been the there. The Yankees would have had the same problem because Stanton uh, Giancarlo Stanton was the DH for uh, for most of the season. He had right. Judge and right field. Right. Like what are you going to do with then? Now one now real quick um, in terms of the new draft rules. Um, so the new rules that are being proposed are, are as follows. Team that loses 90-plus games in consecutive years drops 15 places in the draft, loses $2 million in international money. You lose 90-plus uh, games in three years in a row, you drop 20, lose $3 million. Uh, back to LaGreca one more time. Okay, it's good. Let's not reward bad teams with the best picks. Right. Why can't the best team to miss the playoffs get the first pick? Because now it incentivizes all 30 MLB teams to compete and try to make deals all the way to the end because the higher you finish, like out of the playoffs, the higher your draft pick. My only question, my only question on what incentives are right and what inc- what incentives are is 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 I think they're going to have to work figure out a way to, to figure out a way to move the slider up or down as needs be to make sure you're coming up with the right penalty. You want the punishment to fit the crime, so to speak. You know, so to make sure you're getting the right carrots and the right sticks in order to get these to get in order to make sure that teams, you know, don't deliberately tank a whole season. 162 games is a lot of games to tank. And that's why, at least in baseball, I'm generally against tanking. So I love I love incentives to disincentivize tanking. I just want to make sure that they that they get it right. Yeah. I mean, this is something this isn't like an this isn't an open and shut case like the D.H. Right. Um, but this is one where you need to have the conversation over the next couple of years to determine just how to get it right. Right. What's appropriate? You know, what's, you know, how can we make, how can we make sure that actually all, you know, all 30 MLB teams are going out there for 162 games in good faith to compete? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. All right. So we've got about 15 minutes left. Uh, Paulie D please honor us with, uh, the state of the Red Sox. You know, it's tough to say we're, they're going to stand pat. It, it, and it I mean, apart from some more roster invites, probably for the spring, maybe, maybe some, you know, some bargain basement signings. The Red Sox team we had last year is largely the team we're getting this year, and I'm okay with that. I think a lot of I think a lot of Red Sox fans are okay with that. Um, I think, as predicted, the Yankees, with all their moves, have have a slight, slight, slight edge on the Sox uh, for the World Series title. They're at five and a half to one. The Sox are at seven and a half to one via Vegas Insider. Uh, but you know, Mejia isn't going to be the closer, or maybe even even in the bullpen. I, and I, he may, if he makes the team, he'll be in the bullpen. I mean, at a minimum. I mean, he he might not even make the team is really the point. But yeah. I still love the signing. It's all upside. It's no downside, especially for what you paid. The guy served his time. Uh, but you know, it's and and for what it's worth, at least the props still have the Sox as the favorites to land Kimbrel. So that's still out there, and he's still unsigned. You know, he can come back to earth. Yeah. And he can, you know, reunite with the Red Sox for another run, and that would really stabilize things, I think, for them. Yeah, I think I think I saw this. I think this was from, this was from Ken Rosenthal, maybe John Heyman. Right. Uh, the four favorites to land Kimbrel are the Red Sox, the Braves, yeah. the Phillies, and the Twins. Yeah, and the Red Sox are the odds-on favorites so far. So yeah, I mean, barely. But we'll see if he comes. If he can come back to earth, maybe he takes. Maybe he takes fewer years. I maybe mean, maybe he waits. Whatever this, whatever is going on in the league. Yeah, Maybe he like waits the, this out. The market is now because uh, pitchers and catchers report next week officially. Yeah. The market by now is soft enough that other teams should be getting involved. Sure, and we're seeing it now, like with um, with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. 
Now, the thing with Bryce Harper, we know that he, that the Giants showed some interest this week. A video uh, surfaced earlier this week of Harper taking some batting practice inside a batting cage, clean shaven. Oh my God, he's, he's definitely going. We know we, we know what that means. The the Yankee speculation was abound. <laughs> um, is it you know is is that's is 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 Hal his father as as far as the clean shavenness is concerned? <laughs> is is the son the father? Who knows? But you know, uh, it, it, well, anything to fuel speculation as the, far as the Harper way goes. I see it. Like, and Aaron Judge too. You know, I'll move over. Yeah, Aaron Judge says he'll he'll move over to I'll left or, over. or to center. He'll go anywhere. Right. Um, it's it's strange because the Yankees they've they've gone public at least they they did early in the off season that they were not in on Bryce Harper, which which was fine because they had a good outfield as it was. Right. Uh, it appeared they didn't even But need this him. video unleashes speculation. Could it happen? I mean, he recently took a meeting with the Giants, who and the Giants, they they made a play for Stanton, so they want that big bet. Right. Uh, maybe, it's like I said, the market has dropped low enough for other teams to start engaging with both Harper and Machado. Right. And speaking of Machado... Or maybe other teams are just more willing to test the waters at this point. Yeah. Because they've been on the line for so long. Maybe maybe they're, maybe they're, they're just testing the water to see if these guys have come back down to earth. Yeah, and then uh, Heyman's reporting that Machado isn't thrilled with the offers he's received and he's holding out for hope for the Yankees. Which leads me to believe that the White, that the White Sox report, which was... Thoroughly uh, lambasted by his agent, Dan Lozano, yeah, might have a grain of truth to it. Maybe I, I think it does because, like, because they a grain, a grain, a, a scintilla. They, went, they of went, truth. They went out of their way to bring in his brother-in-law, Yonder Alonso, right. and their good friend John Jay, because apparently all three of them trained together right. in the off season. Hey, we brought your friends. Um, so I, I don't know because I feel that if the Yankees wanted Machado, they would have made moves so that they could land him already. I think I still think they're going to wait him out. Yeah, well, Miguel Andujar is still on the team. You got Nolan Arenado, who just signed a twenty-six million dollar uh, one-year deal in arbitration with the Rockies. Sure. Now the Yankees—they've been rumored to like him too. Yeah. But <clears throat> what if he signs an extension with Colorado, which he is rumored to be interested in doing? Uh, and Michael Case speculated: Are the Yankees holding out for Andujar to play one more year and then go after Arenado? Well, that may not be an option anymore. No. So I think right now you got to take a look at the market, listen to Machado, make him an offer. Yeah. And then. If you want him. Yeah. Like, just say, make him an offer. Say, this is what we're willing to pay you. Like, what do you think? And if he says no, great. And if he and if he says yes, okay. Then you start fielding trade offers for Miguel and Duhar. Because the, the right. window. Now, the right. window. And Duhar is on the team, JB, until he's not, I feel like. Yes. That that's absolutely correct. You know, he's I and I think the Yankees are really still really high on him and on Torres and all the rest of them. But the, all these guys are on the team until they're not. And, and a guy like Manny Machado, especially if he comes around, not even at a discount, but at a reasonable price, it's something. It's something I think the Yankees I, owe it to them would owe it to themselves to pursue. I think that it's worth it for the Yankees for for Brian Cashman and uh, his and uh, Gene Afterman at an absolute minimum. To at least listen to offers on Enduhar, right? But even then, I don't think they're going to find one they like because they, when um, who, who, the Phillies they just traded for a JT Real Muto. Sure, the Yankees they were interested in a three-team swap with the Marlins and the Mets, where the Mets would receive JT Real Muto and the Marlins. They said, okay, so if for the Yankees to get Noah Syndergaard, for the Mets to get JT Real Muto from the Yankees, we want Gary Sanchez and Miguel Enduhar, and for Noah Syndergaard. Right. They wouldn't do it. Well, you know. So, I, obviously, they think very highly of this young man. They do. Machado, the window's still open. Yep. I mean, Hal Steinbrenner, he's saying never say never. 
but well, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do at this point. I have a question on the. I have a question on on Hal Steinbrenner saying never say never because Boone comes out and I, I you know, out of nowhere it seems like says, well, our, our roster set for 2019. So how much? Uh, let me ask you this, JB. How much do you think Hal Steinbrenner is saying? Well, well, you know, never say never. Meaning Boone, be quiet. And, you know, be quiet about a roster and we always want to keep our dealings to ourselves versus, you know, how much how much are they really genuinely still in the hunt for a major free agent signing? The thing I love most about Hal Steinbrenner is that unlike his father, he lets the GM do his job. Right. Um, he does he stay is out at the point, way. He is at the point now where he trusts Cashman to put together a winning team and he just signs the checks. Sure. Which I love. Now, that said, I think that Cashman may have said – because. Boone, he's the manager. He's middle management at this point. Yeah. Guys in the dugout don't nearly have as much pull as guys like Sparky Anderson no. or, or Billy Martin had at no. any point. Or even Terry Francona back yeah. in the day. I think that Cashman said to Hal and Boone uh, separately, anyone asks you about that, spin it like this. Right. Boone, play it as close to the chest as possible. Hal, give him a little tease. Maybe Cashman is is working on something big. Maybe he's just trying to... Like set the market himself so that one team overpays and and uh, it isn't the Yankees' problem anymore. Um, I mean, I still I still harbor hopes or not not even hopes, but I still harbor uh, suspicions that even the Red Sox, if the if the price as reported from the White Sox offer is is even close to accurate, that even the Red Sox could be in on somebody like Machado. Well, that it's funny you mention that because JD Martinez he didn't sign with the Red Sox till the end of February right. last offseason and he had an MVP caliber year. So I think that if Machado does want to be a Yankee, he has to take a discount. Right. I mean, I, it, it might even be a one-year deal. I think the Phillies I think the Phillies ultimately will offer Machado the most money. I, that's that is I, it's based on absolutely nothing but my personal belief. And and the all inness sense that I get from the Phillies right now, especially with the the almost desperate Real Muto deal. I thought that was a great deal. I don't I don't know. I I feel like the Phillies gave up too much. I feel no, like the Phillies gave up no, too they, much of prospects. No, because just just Jorge Alfaro was a terrible defensive catcher who's still learning how to hit. Uh, and, and he was out of minor league options. Be that as it may, Real Muto isn't isn't that much of an upgrade, is he? I mean, really? JT Real Muto here. We're going to pull up his stats right over now. A, over a 23-ranked a, a prospect? You know, and a guy with a lot of club control? I, You know, I'm I'm just not sure. I that... mean, Re- Real Muto, he, want, he wants Buster Posey money, and the Phillies can give him that. Like, the... like a, he, a report came out today. He and the Marlins were $100 million apart. The, but, la- but last year, the, 277, 21 homers, 74 RBIs, 4.3 WAR, uh, and that work- was all, and that was only in 125 games. That's a work a day catcher. I mean, that's a that's a great catcher. Yeah, you want that? He's got two years of control left. That's a great offensive catcher. But what I'm saying is, my larger point is 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 merely this: that the Phillies kind of signal that they're all in with this deal, and I think that they're going to pony up the most money for either Machado. Me, I don't. I'm not sure that they can beat whatever the Nationals are offering Harper, but I think that they might be the top when it comes to Machado. And if the Yankees, I feel like, can come even just underneath that or underneath that enough with the with not the promise, but with the but dangling winning as you know part of the pull to them, I think they I think they could end up with Machado not without having the highest offer on the table. But do they get Harper? Harper, I think Harper. I think Harper goes where the money is. I, I think, think you're right. I think Harper goes for the highest paycheck, and I think that could be the Nats. 
I mean, rumor, I, rumor has it that, at the, that towards the end of the year, they offered him $300 million over 10 years. Apparently, that offer has since gone up. They said they offered him much more. I don't know. I don't know what much more means. You know, I'm. You know, I, I'm. I don't know what much more means in this context. I mean, ba- based on the additions of Brian Dozier, Patrick Corbin, right? They still got Juan Soto, and they could they could easily trade one of Adam Eaton or Michael Taylor for for depth or minor league depth or for an arm easily, right? The Nationals this offseason, I know that we kind of laugh at them about have about having never been masked the uh, the division series. Sure. This time around, they might be. This is the most prepared they've been for a deep run. Yeah, because they've got, they've still got, um, they they signed Patrick Corbin. Yeah, they still got Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg. They've got a good set of arms. Yeah, like like Corbin, Scherzer, uh, Strasburg, and a durable set of arms. Yeah, too. yeah. I mean, uh, durability on Strasburg is a big maybe. Well, but, I mean, Corbin and Corbin and Scherzer anyway. Yeah. They got a durable. They got a pretty durable one-two punch there, and I don't know. Can the Nationals make a run? Yeah, I mean, of course, anybody, any team can. It's just the you know they seem. To I mean, be they're, the, they're still easily the odds-on favorite to um to win the division. Well, yeah. Now, now they still got Sean Doolittle as their closer, but that's the division, you know. I mean, can, are they going to win the Are they going to win the pennant? So, I mean, who knows? It's way too early to tell. But, but with Har- but with Harper, might they be able to? Sure. Without Harper, might they be able to? Sure. You never know. Yeah, I mean that that's, I don't know. It's going to be a saga to watch. But I think, but I think they're in. But I do think they're in the lead on Harper, and I, and I think the lead, and I and I think that lead is in terms of dollar signs, and I think the most dollar signs gets Harper. And even the Giants need to. You have to keep an eye on them because they're talking. They were talking with the Yankees about about a, a possible swapping of bad contracts, Johnny Cueto for Jacoby Ellsbury. Right. Uh, now you know the Yankees are probably going to have to field a little bit of the cash in, uh, involved in that. Sure. Same with the Giants and what's left of Cueto, but that frees up money to pursue Harper. Sure. And like I said, they were in on Giancarlo Stanton. He said no. So they're in the market for a big bat. Yep. And Harper, that left-handed bat inside uh, Pacific Bell Park. You know, you, you'd like or, to, or you... no AT and T Park. What's I don't know what it's called now, but yeah, it used to be the the old Pac Bell Park. Um, I swear to God, I'm not 60 years old. CenturyLink Field. Yeah, that might be it. Is it? Uh, it doesn't matter. This is an and, AOE's podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, though. Anyway, the, the point is, if the Yankees got Harper, it's easy enough because that then you just make you make Brett you make the, the Brett Gardner the fourth outfielder. Right. Then you trade Clint Frazier. Sure. For uh for pitching or restock the minors a little bit more. Uh, either way, it, the Yankees are they're in a good position. They don't need to make any more moves. I don't think so. I think even without the, I think even without any another major or minor move, they they still have a slight, you know, they still have a slight edge in the AL East. I think the, with the addition of Harper JB, I think you know, I I think they have a they have not a definitive edge, but I think they have a clear edge in the AL East. I mean, the the way I see it right now, just just on terms of of uh, restocking the bullpen, like resigning Hap and uh, and CC, right, bringing in DJ. Mayhew, right? The Yankees—they're ready to battle. The Yankees, like under perfect circumstances, the AL East is theirs to lose. Under perfect circumstances, but circumstances are never perfect. Of course not. I mean, because Didi Gregorius—he's still coming back from Tommy John surgery. Although, and he—he's swinging the bat with one hand right now. Right. He's clearly made great progress. Sure. Uh, but we don't know when he's going to be back. It could be June. It could be August. Um, but the way the the, the roster is structured right now. I think that you could flip a coin between the Yankees and Boston as to who wins the division. I think you could, um, and I think that's accurate. And I, and I think and I think uh, key in that calculus is the is the back end of the Red Sox bullpen. We're really, 
I mean, it, is it is it going to be Barnes in the closure role? Is it going to be Brazier? I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. They've you know without Kimbrel, there there's a downgrade there, and I think and I think that kind of brings them back to the pack a little bit. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, the off season is winding down. We got our next show. Oh man, our next show is going to be our first spring training show. That's amazing. Baseball's back. Pitch- Yay! Pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, Yankees a uh, pitchers and catchers report on a Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome. Good luck to you, you uh, uncultured swine of a Red Sox fan. Good luck to you, you evil empire denizen. Hey, we're a proud empire. (laughs) (laughs) All right, anyway, so we're going to stop the clock with 30 seconds left on it. Uh... Paulie D, uh, got anything else you want to add? No, just uh, just to let you know that you know it's uh, as always been great here, been great being here on this balmy pre-spring training day. Yeah, shout out to uh, Elite Sports New York for continuing to let us do this show. Absolutely, for, thank you to QED Astoria for the wonderful podcasting space they gave us. We love you guys. Yeah, uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, JB's World Three Two Eight Six, and I'm at Paulie D Sports. You can follow Elite Sports New York, uh, the pulse of New York City sports, on uh, on Twitter as well, at Elite Sports NY. Visit us at EliteSportsNY.com. You can read my articles there and uh, listen to the show. We, I think Also, I think with this show, we're going to be on Spotify finally. Ooh. And iHeartRadio. Very nice. All right, so we'll, uh, we'll get on that as well. Hello, Spotify and iHeartRadio listeners. Please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, thanks a lot, folks. Enjoy the game. Thanks for listening to Elite Sports Radio. Stay elite. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. Hop a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. But I'm taking a Greyhound on the Hudson River line. I'm in a New York state of mind.